So good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, if that's uh, the perception that applies to you right now. Mm. A really warm welcome to our uh, day of practice and reflection together. Feels, feels precious is precious and uh, uh, I really hope that you're you're feeling the the benefits and the blessings of this time already and the sense of connection with others as we uh, practice and as we really seek to deepen our embodiment of these precious teachings of of wisdom and compassion that we have inherited. At this time each day, we'll offer some, some reflections for practice during the day. Um, and there'll also be a period uh, during this, this hour, a period of, of sitting or, or standing practice whatever posture feels most helpful. And just to say that um, all of this is being recorded um, or we're doing our best to remember to record it. Uh, it's going okay so far. Um, and not to feel overloaded by the teachings. Sometimes there can be that sense of, okay, I was just kind of getting... I was just getting my head around Jaya's pep talk, you know, with presence, ease and possibility. And it's kind of coming, it's too much, <laughs> you know. Uh, so really an invitation just to pick up what's helpful and to leave the rest, to know that you can return to it um, in the recordings or, you know, at some, some other time. So... You don't have to kind of get this all down or integrate it all into your, your day. So just picking out what feels relevant, what feels helpful at this time. And I'd like to, in a certain way, build on what I was saying last night around the, the themes of grounding enjoying and spacious allowing to reflect with you on the theme of the hindrances the five hindrances which um, in a certain way we could say characterize our aspects of the turbulence that we may feel. They're factors of mind, just perennial factors of mind that um, kind of deepen a sense of uh, not seeing clearly, that, that deepen a sense of being a bit lost, that deepen a sense of uh, a kind of trance or a kind of fog that, that we can so easily get uh, lost in. And they, they do tend to constellate around the perception of difficulty or, or the perception of pain, whether that's physical or emotional. And um, you may well have heard many talks on the hindrances. Um, uh, and just to acknowledge that they are by no means a beginner's practice only. You know, sometimes we, we can have the kind of conscious or unconscious view that I've just got to get rid of the hindrances and then my practice will really start. <laughs> you know? uh, and actually, uh, the, you know, these hindrances persist uh, in in kind of different forms, increasingly subtle forms, maybe right until the final stages of awakening. 
And the part of what is such a gift about the Buddha identifying them as a list is that when we approach them with mindfulness, they become the path. Yeah. So they're not something that I've got to get out of the way to get onto the path. Actually, you know, the, the boredom or the irritation or the sleepiness or the doubt uh, actually can become the path of practice and awakening when we relate to it with mindfulness. And so really to kind of honor their um, central place in the maps and the field of our practice and to honor their place in our lives. You know, these, these hindrances, perhaps I should just, just list them of craving, so that's kind of wanting some kind of pleasant experience. Uh, aversion or ill will is the second, which is the opposite, which is wanting to get rid of, which of course can come in many different moods, kind of boredom, judgment, irritation, fear, regret, ill will, despair, frustration impatience you know uh, basically any of our difficult mental states are are flavors of aversion you know uh, so craving ill will um, dullness sleepiness so the next pair are more at the energetic level kind of dullness and sleepiness fog uh, low energy and then the fourth one restlessness and worry so agitation anxiety scatteredness and the fifth one doubt so doubt uh, that can be self-doubt so it can be that sense of i don't know if i can do this or I really don't think I can do this. You know, I don't think I'm up to this. You know, whatever the this is, you know, uh, it can also be kind of path doubt, we could say, or activity doubt, where there's a sense of hmm, I'm I'm not sure. I, I, you know, I don't know if this is the right thing for me. You know, I don't I don't know if this is really all it's cracked up to be. You know. Perhaps I should have chosen a different religion to practice instead, you know, this week. Uh, and the doubt is often the, the kind of really difficult aspect of doubt is, is the fear that's present in it. You know, there's just a, often the sense of a kind of paralysis or a kind of um, trance of fear in the middle of the doubt. And it's often what arises when our strategies for dealing with the other four hindrances seem not to be working <clears throat> and so just to yeah acknowledge that these are not just meditative um, states you know these hindrances arise in relation pretty much to anything we engage with in our lives you know, can arise in relation to work that we do arise in relation to relationships that we have you know, that can arise in relation to any activity that we're trying to engage with you know whether that's a kind of sport or uh, you know, learning a language or uh, gardening even you know whatever it is these hindrances will visit because they're really part of our common humanity you know, what we engage with when we reflect on the hindrances really is, in a certain way, our experience of, or key aspects of our experience of being human. And just to acknowledge that they, they don't tend to come alone. You know, they tend to come in constellations, don't they? So, you know, I may have 
knee pain during my meditation and that knee pain in kind of co-arising with that is a sense of restlessness so I'm kind of constantly feeling the need to move or adjust my posture and then kind of fantasizing you know that can come in kind of fantasizing about something later on or you know when I go on holiday or even the next retreat I can find myself fantasizing about you know in the midst of this one you know and then judging myself for, for fantasizing you know and kind of shouldn't be doing this this you know I'm no good at this and then thinking about you know how maybe I, I can't do this. Maybe I can't do this, this path. Maybe it's, yeah. anyway, it's not, not the one for me. And then kind of just going to sleep, you know, in the face of all that turbulence. You know? And so, you know, just to, uh, yeah, acknowledge just in a certain way how um, familiar <laughs> these hindrances are likely to be for each of us. And it does feel, I always think this is a very compassionate list of the Buddha to, to list them like this. And, you know, we can have that sense, well, 2,600 years ago, people were contending with the same factors of mind as we are today. <laughs> you know? uh, there's nothing new in this. And that's a, there's a kind of reassurance in that, or at least that's how I experience it. And of course, what the list does is enable us to recognize that this is what's happening, to recognize. Some of you will be familiar with uh, the acronym RAIN, R-A-I-N, as a, as a set of reminders really for practicing with difficult mental states. So you hear that from. Tara Brach and Michelle McDonald and others and uh, like just to to suggest perhaps that we add one letter on the front um, to make it grain um, and yeah kind of whole food version or something and and the the G standing for grounding you know the G standing for grounding uh, could be for grounding and for gratitude, maybe. Because um, what that just does is help, uh, as we turn towards the states of mind, help to keep us in touch with a sense of resource, a sense of that which is not caught up in the hindrance. You know, the soles of your feet are probably not bored, as I said earlier, you know, last night. The, the, the sit bones are probably not doubting. And this is just useful to know because other parts of our experience, other parts of our body will get caught up in the hindrance. So just to let that kind of G be a touchstone, be a support as we turn towards these hindrances. And one of the reasons for just kind of using an acronym is because it's so easy, or I find it so easy, when the hindrances are up to lose a sense of orientation it's just so easy to be lost in that mental state you know believing it getting carried away by its story its narrative you know. and just to have an acronym a list like that just gives something to kind of remind and give some orientation in the midst of the turbulent storm of the hindrance or the hindrances, yeah. And the, that kind of G, okay, grounding, can support then the recognizing. The recognizing that says, okay, what's happening here? There's, there's distress or there's difficulty, there's a sense of contraction. What is this? What is this mental state? What is this hindrance? And just to be able to name it, oh, this is restlessness, you know? or this is irritation, or this is anxiety, this is fear, you know? this is doubt. We can sense how it changes the relationship with the moment 
when I can name the predominant hindrance. Because, you know, hindrances gain much of their power from being unconscious. <laughs> you know, so long as I'm in the hindrance and not aware of what's doing, what, what, what's, what's happening, they will tend to point our attention beyond them to something in the world. So it's the noise from the neighbors. It's, you know, my painful knee. It's that worry about um, my elderly parents. It's that lack of uh, security in my job or in my relationship. And they will, they will point us towards something out there, you know, and part of what the recognizing does is it helps direct our attention to that which we can actually practice with. We may well not be able to change uh, conditions in the world. What we can do, what we really can do, is uh, engage creatively with the mental state or mood or hindrance through which we're viewing things. And that's what the, the R does. Just that, that, what is this? What's happening? Can I name the state? Can I name this hindrance? Sometimes that's almost enough <laughs> just to name it and the mind will drop it, you know. Uh, but, but the other aspects are, are here to support uh, you know the, the a of allowing we spoke a bit about that last night and just to sense what happens if i allow myself to 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 tolerate and breathe with this mental state rather than brace against it what will tend to make the hindrance state feel more fixed is if i'm kind of trying to push it away or just getting busy ruminating, you know, overthinking to try to somehow eliminate its unpleasantness. So just to allow, okay, to allow the distress or allow the despair or allow the irritation. And, you know, we hear this word acceptance often used and, you know, we may have a sense, well, acceptance, I'm not ready to accept it. That feels too many stops down the line right now. Uh, but I'm willing to tolerate it and breathe with it, <laughs> you know, rather than just brace against it. You know? So just the kind of, okay, right now it's like this. Right now the mind is like this or fear is like this. Right now, I'm willing to allow this wave of grief or this wave of fear to wave through, to wave through. And, you know, that can be a moment, the allowing can be a moment where we need the G of grain so that there's a sense of, okay, I'm grounding while I'm allowing this fear really to, to wave through. Otherwise, I may just get carried away and it's tied in its current but okay i'm going to breathe with the fear or i'm going to breathe with the sadness or breathe with the anger and also feel my feet <clears throat> and <clears throat> the 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 i uh so we've had grounding recognizing a for allowing i for investigating with kindness, investigating with kindness. And this is a big uh, topic in the Dharma, the theme of investigation. The Buddha really encourages investigation as that which actually helps to unbind the mind. And uh, in his teachings on mindfulness and mindfulness of the hindrances, he really encourages a kind of getting to know how these states work. And we could say that that is the kind of wisdom question in relation to the inner turbulence of the hindrances. The wisdom question could be, how does this work? The compassion question could be, 
what does this need? But if we think in terms of, you know, how does this hindrance state work? <laughs> how does this doubt work? Um, we could investigate how does it show up in the body? If, if my feet are not doubting, where are the bits that are? Okay, the belly is tight, the breath is shallow, there's a constriction around the throat, there's a kind of feeling of upness in the body, there's this kind of slightly trancey quality. And sense, you know, the, this is the body of doubt, you know, this is the body of irritation. You know. And to reflect, what is feeding it? What is feeding it? This is, again, one of the Buddha's fundamental questions, wisdom questions. What is feeding it? Whatever we feed grows, whatever we don't feed doesn't grow. So really good to see what is feeding this difficult state. So often what's feeding the hindrance is thinking, ruminating. You know, how, how do you feed a difficult hindrance? Well, generally think, <laughs> you know, ruminate about it. And there's a feedback loop, isn't there, from the thinking to the hindrance and the hindrance stimulates more thinking, you know because I'm trying to solve this doubt. I'm, you know, this doubt about my relationship or this doubt about my work. I'm trying to solve it. So I'm getting very more busy in thinking in a way that actually just adds fuel to the fire of it. And, you know, often that thinking is, is there's a kind of basic story that I'm believing in. The thinking. Um, we can see that at least two and a half of the hindrances are really based on stories. So the story of craving, the story of, or the stories of aversion, the stories of craving, the stories of aversion, the stories of doubt. You know, they have story and narrative and kind of believing those as an integral part of what feeds them. And that's how they can take us for a ride. You know, they can really take us for a ride, these hindrance states, if so long as I'm believing the story of them. You know, what do I have to believe for this doubt to make sense? Or this despair? To make sense what what do what has to be believed for this despair to make sense as a reaction to things because we may start to see as part of this investigating if there wasn't this story there wouldn't be this hindrance so really to kind of notice that to notice what behaviors feed it you know sometimes uh, coming on retreat, we get a sense of, my goodness, I've just been kind of racing everywhere. And there's been a restlessness that I've just been colluding with uh, by staying very busy, staying a bit kind of speedy, you know. What happens if I slow down, slow down? ground, soften the body. Oh, some of the hindrance, some of the energy goes out of the hindrance. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. My anxiety gets less when I ground and soften and slow. Oh, that's worth knowing because I see that the behavior was somehow giving fuel to the hindrance. <clears throat> so, you know, this is all the wisdom dimension that is saying, how does this work? What's feeding the hindrance state? Uh, what's, what could fast it? What could deprive it of food and fuel? And this is where, you know, some of what, some of the reflections we've been offering around grounding and enjoying enjoying can be quite radical if i rem kind of remember 
gratitude, remember the blessings of this day, this time, this life. That can really kind of begin to fast the sense of pervasive discontent that tends to come with the hindrances. It's one of the reasons why we're really encouraging you this week to, to practice gratitude, practice enjoying, practice appreciating, because it can really help to quieten uh, some of the turbulence that these hindrances create. So how does it work? As part of how does it work, I'm asking what's feeding the hindrance states? What's, how can I fast them? Also part of this wisdom dimension is just to notice change. To notice change. Martine Batchelor recommends midst a hindrance attack, just asking the question, hmm, I wonder how long this will last. You know? You, some of you who know Martine can probably hear her saying that. <laughs> uh, and just to have that sense of, okay, this is not as solid as I assume it to be. I may be locked into a state of despair and think I'm never going to smile again. And then I step outside and there's a bird singing or somebody says a cheery hello to me or I do some uh, mindful movement with Jaya and just feel how the mood shifts. So just to have a sense of this too will pass, this is already changing. This is a wave waving through. Just the remembering of impermanence can radically, radically uh, soften and kind of dissolve some of what seems so solid in the hindrances. What does this need? The compassion question. Maybe what it needs is a hand on my heart and a hand on my belly. Some real practicing of kindness to this embodied heart mind. Maybe what it needs is walking rather than sitting. I said yesterday, some hindrance states are much better walked with than sat with. Anxiety, anger, doubt. You know. Maybe this needs some action of care, kindness to myself, to others. Maybe it needs, what this needs is just taking greater care of my boundaries, my interpersonal boundaries, my boundaries with whatever overwhelms me. <clears throat> so this is rich, this, this theme of investigating hindrances. Uh, how does this work? What does it need? And then the N of non-identification, not yeah, non-selfing, we could say. So easy to take the hindrances personally. So easy to think of, this is my problem with despair. This is my problem with fear and anxiety. This is my problem with greed. This is my problem with anger, you know, depression. And just to practice seeing these states as they really are, as the Buddha put it, as just the product of conditions. Just the product of conditions. Totally understandable as the product of internal and external conditions. Not me, not mine. Just conditions, just weather. <laughs> just the weather of this embodied heart-mind in this moment. There's such compassion in that radical teaching of the Buddha that encourages us not to take experience personally, 
even when it feels so personal? Can I practice seeing it as not me, not mine, just conditions? So these, these hindrances, these, these aspects of our shared humanity, shared with our ancestors, shared no doubt with future generations, as well as with all of us alive right now. These, these aspects that can show up in all different dimensions of our lives. That we could say that the mental health difficulties that any of us can get into at times are, could be viewed just through the lens of the hindrances, just a constellation of hindrances, an intense constellation of hindrances. And so really just to kind of acknowledge, acknowledge uh, on this second day of our retreat, these as aspects of the experience of all of us and an invitation insofar as it's helpful to you to make uh, their contemplation part of our days together, part of bringing wisdom and compassion to the experiences of turbulence that we encounter uh, in our embodied hearts and minds. So, so we'll now move into uh, a period for some sitting, or it could be that uh, there's sleepiness around for you as one of the hindrances and what actually you need is to stand right now. Could even be that what you need to do is to walk and that's fine, just to walk with the, the screen on. Could be that what you most need is to lie down. So why don't you sense in this moment what is most supportive in responding to the conditions of the moment? <clears throat> you might either way like just to have a stretch, to have a shake out, to release any hindrance formations that are obviously in the body right now. Yeah, great, great. And then just when you're ready, settling into a posture that feels restful and wakeful. That feels grounding and upright in a certain way. Even if you're expressing that uprightness, you're lying down and you just express that uprightness in having your hands in the air to support a sense of wakefulness. And yeah, lingering for as long as you like with the practice of grounding. The sanity of that. The support of that. Can you bring enjoyment to the experience of grounding? Enjoying whatever comfort is present in the experience. 
whatever ease. Whatever okayness is here in feet, seat, hands, breathing. And the grounding and the enjoying support a sense of spacious allowing, spacious allowing. lines from the Buddha's teachings on mindfulness breathing in sensitive to the entire body breathing out sensitive to the entire body breathing in calming the bodily formations, activations. Breathing out, calming, calming the bodily activations. Buddha encouraged recognizing when the hindrances are present and also recognizing when they're not so present. And it may be that as you sense the body sitting and breathing, as you practice grounding, enjoying, spacious allowing, there isn't so much sense of hindrances around right now. They're just much quieter, more subtle. And can you enjoy that? Can you really enjoy this moment where they're not so obscuring of presence and clarity and sensitivity?
And of course, it may be that when you check in, you notice, oh yeah, there are hindrances here. Craving, wanting, some flavor of ill will, sleepiness, restlessness, doubt. How is it to welcome them and to welcome this opportunity gently to investigate, to make them path in this moment? Perhaps using one or more of the aspects of grain as you bring mindfulness to them. Grounding, recognizing, allowing, investigating with kindness and non-identification. And just practicing in whatever way feels most appropriate and helpful in this moment.
So you might like just to stretch. And in a moment, we uh, will have a, a full length uh, period for some walking practice, uh, about 40 to 45 minutes, and really a heartfelt encouragement to each of you, each of us, to kind of, if you can, dedicate this time to establishing, deepening your walking practice on this retreat. <clears throat> so helpful such a helpful practice uh, and one to which we can bring the intentions of grounding enjoying spacious allowing we can really bring those into the walking practice and we can also use them as an opportunity to investigate uh, the hindrances See what effect, what's the effect of walking with this difficult mental state? You know, you may find it's a lot less solid and substantial than it feels. You know, can really highlight the transience of states. And there's something about having a walking path and really committing to the path, which represents that possibility of being governed by our intentions rather than by the hindrance factors you know these hindrance factors can write the story of uh, a walking period a day a week a life if we let them you know if we let them they will they'll they can just take over you know and and actually they're kind of saying no actually what i'm going to do is i'm going to practice walking practice walking rather than practicing irritation or anxiety or boredom or restlessness or doubt you know and and just to feel that there's something freeing about that commitment so yeah an invitation to to find your path that has both ends to it and just to walk you know you may find that what's most grounding for you is really to give attention to the soles of the feet as you walk, uh, that's always going to be a good thing to do. You know? It may be that actually this practice of just being more in the lower half of your body is actually what is most helpful as you walk. You just feel the kind of the the strength of your legs, the groundedness of the lower half, you know? or it may be that it's the whole body that feels most spacious for you, most allowing, most enjoyable. So just playing with the kind of, if you like, the aperture of your focus, whether you keep it just soles of the feet, lower half, whole body, you know, different moments may require different kind of apertures of awareness, we could say. And, and also just to encourage you to play with pace as well as you walk. So sense what is a helpful pace to walk with the mind body of this moment it may be that it's just to walk at a normal to and fro that's the most easeful most enjoyable maybe that it is to slow down a bit you know but that's something to play with rather than something to kind of decide in advance you know there was just one other little piece that I wanted just to add and forgot to mention in, in relation to the grain, which is really the kind of devotional aspect of working with difficult states. You know, sometimes patterns of hindrances can feel so kind of chronic or intractable in our lives. And there's something so beautiful that the devotional orientation opens up opens up of just kind of offering it into the three refuges or offering it into the presence of all the buddhas and the bodhisattvas including Kuan Yin. 
and and however that you know if that speaks to you just feeling free to kind of bring that almost like a prayerful surrender to working with difficulty in our lives you know it can really be such a a helpful opening of the the, the sense of possibility and and grace in the midst of turbulent times you may find that the chanting is a good good support for that or bowing So yeah, we'll walk in a moment and just also to acknowledge um, that this afternoon we'll have a period for small group meetings. If you, any of you would like to attend those, um, 